Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to the Haunted Collection with your host, writer, paranormal investigator, and haunted collector, Kevin Kane. Coming back to chill your world again with more spooky, ghostly tales from the beyond. Before we get started, as always, be sure to check out my website, myhaunteddolls.com. You'll find in my store all of the books I've published, ghost stories, supernatural novels, creepy dolls, and haunted items. So be sure to check out those books. You can learn more about my haunted beginnings and the items I've collected over the years. Also, you can follow the link to my YouTube page, or just go to youtube.com forward slash C forward slash My Haunted Dolls, and be sure to check out my video postings there. We have occasional live feeds where you can watch from the comfort of your own home or wherever you are a live feed of My Haunted Collection to see if you can catch some paranormal activity. In fact, this coming Friday, I'll be setting up a, a live feed, so be sure to check that out on October the 17th, Friday, or I'm sorry, September. We're not in October yet, September 17, 2021. But speaking of October, Halloween is just around the corner. It's one of my top favorite holidays, that and Christmas. So I'm looking forward to breaking out the jack-o'-lanterns in a couple of weeks. Lots of good things going on in the month of October. The next Halloween film is coming out finally after a a one-year postponement. So I can't wait to see Michael Myers cutting people up again. And then at the end of the month, I'll be traveling to Connecticut to meet... One of the most famous, if not the most famous, haunted dolls in the world. A very cursed doll, so I hope I make it there and back safely. (laughs) And I'll be sure to share my story about that after. But that's going to be a surprise left for my post-Halloween show. Now, speaking of creepy fun, let's get on to our story. Tonight, I decided to have this episode be devoted to a spot right here in Alabama, where I'm from, my home state. We have a lot of good folklore and ghost stories that have been passed on from generation to generation, and even today, those stories are still shared. We've got some famous haunted areas, like the face on the courthouse window in Carrollton, Pickens County, Alabama, which I told about in an earlier episode a few years ago, so be sure to look that up. That's a very interesting and creepy story, but that face is still there today if you go there and visit the courthouse. And there are other haunted locations that you can actually tour, like Sloss Furnace in Birmingham. You can tour a haunted Annabella mansion like Sturdivant Hall in Selma, or the Unquiet Ghost of Gaineswood down in Demopolis, Alabama. We've just got lots of haunted places. 
But tonight's story takes place in the Tallapoosa River Valley. Some ghostly tales there that I'm going to share from a book I read when I was a kid called Ghosts and Goosebumps. So a special shout out to Jack and Olivia Solomon who collected a lot of ghostly stories in Alabama. And I hope to share more of those in a future episode. So let's get on into our story of the Tallapoosa River Valley Ghosts. In the late summer of 1979, we were invited to a house haunted by many ghosts. We examined the architecture and visited all the haunting sites, and though no spirits accosted us on that lovely day, the present owners gave us access to a written history of the house and its various occupants, both mortal and supernatural. Together with ghost phenomena attested to for well over a century by numerous people, including the family that now resides there. The following account is extracted, paraphrased, and condensed from that history. Because the owners requested anonymity, no exact locations or historical personages are mentioned. The listener will observe stylistic differences between this extended tale and the briefer folk conversations of monologues collected by Troy State University students. The contrast between written and spoken folk tales of the supernatural is instructive. The primarily oral tradition does not pause for much reflection or analysis, nor is the folk tongue partial to lengthy description and character portrayal. Rather, Landscape, circumstances, personalities, and setting are all identified or designated briefly and vigorously so as to get the good part. This is not to say that the folk can't and don't tell a long tale. To the contrary, a good tale teller can go on for hours. The differences lie in focus and intent. Tallapoosa River Valley Ghosts approaches the domain of romance and legend, where real historical time but dimly suffuses inexplicable happenings, and the writer evidently intended to bring together several tales emanating from one special house that accumulated spirits apparitions, and supernatural occurrences, even as various owners altered its physical structure over a period of 140 years. Legends and romances are at the peripheries and outermost boundaries of history, and like history, they are, after a time of seasoning and oral circulation, often written down. The pen brings certain shifts and transformations, imparts texture, atmosphere, 
delineation and though the folk instinct and substance still undergirds the whole, the resulting account is far different from the original. The idea that a house may be inhabited by generations of apparitions is, of course, common in Anglo-European folklore of the supernatural. This one belongs with all the other haunted, romantic houses of the legendary Old South. In the rich Tallapoosa River Valley of 1840, a young man cleared new ground and built a log house. Two large rooms separated by a dog trot. Forty years went by. The log house served as residence, trading post, church, and schoolhouse in that wilderness community. In 1880, oxen pulled it to a nearby town. The first round log house was merged with a second similar square log house, and the new owner made various improvements, including a latticed walkway leading to a separate kitchen, keeping room, servants' quarters, laundry room, smokehouse, and woodshed. In 1910, a third owner used lumber from another demolished old house to add an attic bedroom and a new dining room. We, the present owners, have made the house quite comfortable. We have also made ourselves comfortable with several unidentified graves on the front lawn and with all the ghosts who have lived with many generations of different families. The footstep ghost, or invisible walker, is a seasonal visitor who arrives twice a year, spring and fall. He enters the same door, The sound of the door opens, then closes. Then the steps all waste the same path down a porch, into a hallway, into another hallway, where they stop. We do not hear them leave. The footsteps are those of the first owner. A plantation owner violently jealous of his beautiful wife. Often he returned from his work to determine if she were entertaining any guests. On one of these unexpected returns, he found his wife kneeling at her prayers. Guilt-stricken and remorseful, he suffered a stroke, and on his deathbed vowed that he would always come back to look after her. And he does, always the same walk, the same path. The beautiful wife became ill not many years later, and those tending her felt just before she died a cold breath. When they complained of it, she answered that it was her husband keeping watch at her deathbed. He keeps his vigil yet, she said. And to this day, on the south side of the bed in that very room, those who sleep there 
will fill the cold breath, no matter the season of the year. Another cold spot may be experienced in the little hall at a spot where was formerly located the outside door of the original round log house. Here, in the dead of night, long ago, a half-white, half-Indian brave came to inquire of his Creek mother, who was nursed to the white children of the owner. As was the custom in those days, when a night caller came, someone covered the door with a gun. The brave was informed that his mother had died and was buried on the premises. The brother of the owner, who held a gun behind the door, interpreted the brave's grief and shock as a threatening gesture, shot and killed him. The cold spot marks the young man's death place to this day, even though it is now inside the house. In those days when the small round log house stood near the river, a quiet stranger came seeking employment. A hard worker, he was given a cot. His only possession was a homemade wooden box which he kept under his cot. One day, while clearing new ground, his leg was almost severed. While the mules and wagon were being ready to take him to the nearest doctor, he begged to be carried to his box. Knowing it was probably his dying wish, they acceded. Over and over he shuffled papers in his box, then fainted from loss of blood. In the wagon, as the mules pulled harder and harder, the dying man regained consciousness long enough to plead, Please! Take me to my box for my gunny sack. When they finally reached the doctor, the stranger was dead. Returning home, they opened his box in an effort to find the names of his kinsmen. Within the gunny sack was a small bag of gold and a locket which held the picture of a lovely young girl. No name, address, nor any link to his family was found, so they used the gold to bury him, marked his grave with a slab that read, Stranger Bill. Stranger Bill returned to shuffle the paper, seeking his gunny sack, and many people refused to use the cabin for that reason. He still returns. He does no harm. He just shuffles the paper in his box. The shuffling that can be heard all around the house. He never finds what he's looking for, so he keeps on looking for eternity. Another questing ghost of this house, visited by many unseen spirits, is one we call the Searcher who may be heard opening and closing drawers of a chest, trunk lids, and wardrobes. Again and again comes the sounds of searching for something 
lost. There once lived a young couple in the house, and their first child brought much joy. The mother painstakingly fashioned for her child an exquisite christening garment. On the day of the christening, the mother attended the funeral of a relative and rushed home to lay out her child's clothes. Inexplicably, the christening robe had vanished, and the young mother looked everywhere for it. Finally, she gave the baby to her parents and asked that they go ahead to the church while she made one last search. At last, though, she gave up. Her husband had taken the carriage for his kinspeople, and she, hard-pressed and late, had no choice except to ride horseback. In her haste, she took a shortcut from deep within a roadside thicket, and something frightened the horse. He threw his rider to instant death. Ever since that day, the young mother's ghost returns to the house, opening and closing drawers, chests and wardrobes, and trunks in a futile search for her child's christening robe. The ghost of the wrecking bar followed his house when it was demolished and the timbers used to build an attic bedroom for the two log houses. During the war between the states, a plantation owner was harvesting his crops far from his townhouse. Alerted that Yankee soldiers were approaching, he sent a faithful slave into town with instructions to carry his wife and family to the safety of a church and to hide valuables in corn sacks, loosen some boards in the loft of the house, and store the corn sacks there. When the plantation owner returned home, he found his house empty of slaves and family. He crossed the yard to the tool shed, picked up the wrecking bar, and started towards the house, when suddenly a Yankee soldier cried, Halt! Ignoring the pointed gun, the plantation owner came on, inviting the soldier to come inside for a drink of cider. Again the soldier cried, Halt! But he walked on. The soldier fired, and the plantation owner lay dead, the wrecking bar beside him. The family returned. Night after night, they heard the sounds of boards being pried loose in the loft. Years went by. The family members all died or moved away. Nobody would live in a house where a ghost came nightly to pry up the boards. The last heir finally sold the house for demolition, but the wrecking bar ghost made his way to the attic bedroom, and there he still loosens boards to find his valuables hidden over a hundred years ago. In the square log house in a room that served many families of this haunted house as a parlor, one day, after the war between the states, 
the father of a lovely 18-year-old girl brought home a young man to speak of certain business interests. There in the parlor, his daughter rocked as they talked. He came often, and soon the stranger and the girl were exchanging shy, loving glances. Shortly before his stay in town was over, the stranger asked for her hand in marriage. But the parents refused. He would take her far away from them, they thought. There was too much of an age difference between them, and they had settled on the son of a business partner nearby. Heartbroken, the stranger left. Also heartbroken, the daughter rocked in the parlor, occasionally doing her needlework. Then she refused nourishment. Weakened, she lay in bed, and nothing her parents could do or say could console her. Finally, she died of her broken heart. After her death, her mother and father could still hear her rocking in the parlor, the creaking of the rocker going back and forth. And we still hear her rocking today, still grieving for her lost sweetheart. Old ghosts, victims of violent deaths, star-crossed lovers, faithful wives and jealous husbands, A quiet stranger hoarding gold against the day of his wedding. A distraught mother and old times. The Tallapoosa Valley Wilderness, early settlements, the war between the states, the emergence of the New South. Still haunting a house that stands to this day. Like I said, the state of Alabama is ripe with folklore and hauntings and ghostly tales that still abound. It came from our history and it still haunts us today. So if you ever come through Alabama, be sure to look up some of these places and visit them. Who knows, perhaps you might witness a ghost from the past. But just know that most of them are quite friendly So don't be too scared if they decide to float up and welcome you to their humble abode. (laughs) Well, it's getting closer and closer to Halloween. October is almost upon us, so I'll be sharing more ghostly tales. Never you fear. Until then, again, please stop by myhaunteddolls.com Visit my shop. Buy yourself a ghost book today. Visit my YouTube channel, my Facebook page, My Haunted Dolls, or you can go to, if you want to give and 
help us out financially to keep working on good videos and shows, become a patron today at patreon.com forward slash myhauntedolls. Thank you so much for listening and for your support. Happy hauntings to you all.